Hello and welcome to the Drive Home Breakdown. Uh, we have a uh, an especially fun episode today. Uh, you know, I think we've we've talked a little bit about with some of these uh, running commentaries as of late. Uh, just just sort of our choice to go with movies that we really enjoy and that are kind of all across the the, the scale and, and you know different uh, different eras of filmmaking, different types of filmmaking, you know, and, and whatnot and. We decided this week to go with Rambo First Blood, uh, or actually, sorry, it's just First Blood technically, but uh, of course everybody knows it as the first of the Rambo franchise, and um, it was very fun. Both of us uh, really enjoy this movie. Uh, it's kind of that cool mix of like, it's its own film unto itself, and I think probably maybe a, has a better, uh, I don't know, like better character development, better world, uh, but also kind of is the start of the the action movie boom that you, that we see in the rest of the eighties into the nineties and, and on. So very, very cool movie. Uh, we both, uh, had a lot of fun recording this one cause it just, uh, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Hopefully you will enjoy it as well. So, uh, let's go ahead and start the running commentary for first blood. Welcome everybody. We're back once again here in the, um, we should have a name for this. We should call it like the breakdown layer. So, well, we're already kind of using layer on EBA, aren't we? But anyway, yeah. we ought to have a name for, for the, the space that we watch movies in other than Brent's shitty office, <laughs> which is really which is really the truth. The the, I the bottom floor, so I don't know. Maybe I, can't, <laughs> I can't think of anything uh, I can't think good. of anything good. I can yes. only think of things that make, that, us sound, that that make us sound worse than we are. <laughs> Uh, what's up, everybody? We are back this week. We're going to watch First Blood, uh, which we are very excited to talk about, and uh, we're going to talk about it right now. But before we do, we'll go ahead and uh, uh, we'll go ahead and do a countdown for you guys. We're watching the Blu-ray, but uh, wherever you're watching this, we are at zero 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 in the black, just before the uh, the first title card comes up, which I believe is yeah, is going to be Kassar the producers, yeah, yeah, like Mario Casar and so and so. Uh, productions, that kind of thing, uh, and then you know the uh, the score comes in almost you know the good the good part of the music, in the film, <laughs> not the bad part, which we'll talk about later. But anyway, so we're in the black at zero 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 just before the production title card or the production credits come up. So this is a practice run. It's going to go three, <laughs> two, one, click. How's it going? Here's another practice. It's three, two, one, play. All right, this is the real thing now. The real thing. Here we go. Three. Two, one, play. You said click the first time. I just want to point out that <laughs> you're, you're, giving, you're giving mixed messages. Uh, Mario Kassar and Andrew Vanya present, um, or maybe it's Varna, a Ted Kochev film. So anyway, uh, we are up and running Ted with the titles. And, uh, and actually, a really, really great score by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, it's, the music is very, very haunting, very evocative. Uh, and I think goes a long way to establishing uh, c- kind of the somber, uh, tragic kind of atmosphere of the film. And then they completely ruin it later on <laughs> by making a pop song out of it. But, that's, that's to get you out of the theater quickly, right. I think. That's like to, you know, hey, we got to clean the oh, theater. Get, it got get me the out of the theater quickly. Actually, I didn't see this in yes, the theater. There's no chance I saw that. I was five years old. Uh, this movie came out in 1982. After Stallone, it hit big with the Rocky films. I guess they've yeah. done Rocky three at this point. Oh wow, have they already done three of them? I can't remember for sure, but I, I want to say I want to say that they've done Rocky three at this point. That or that was the last Rocky film that had come out, and um, 
and so this was uh, this was a, I guess a big risk for him in a way. You know, fucking the the script for this uh, apparently had been like getting floated around like a, a, a long time, million different ways. The novel had been published in like nineteen. 19- 72, I want to say, or something like that. And so, and it had been optioned almost immediately. And so it had been kicking around Hollywood for like a decade. And, you know, famously, like basically like every leading man in Hollywood had passed on this. Ironically, the one guy who was interested was Steve McQueen. And, you know, if you know anything about McQueen, you know, he did not do that much during the 70s. The 60s were really kind of the decade of McQueen. And by the time the 70s rolled around, he was really more into kind of racing and doing his own thing. Yeah. And, uh, but he was interested in First Blood. He really, he was really interested in playing Rambo. But unfortunately, the uh, the producers and everybody felt that he was too old at forty two. You know, how does he play like a young guy that's just come back He's from just Vietnam? Out of Vietnam and yeah. So it just it wasn't necessarily a great fit. But um, and and you know sometimes it's always hard to say like you know even though as awesome as Steve McQueen is like you know who is the perfect fit for a role? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not it's not always just as simple as get a big star. Yeah. Uh, that's very, very true. So anyway, it's, um, here's the first sort of, this is, yeah, this, this is really, okay. Like basically watch this, like Rambo's going to kind of smile a little bit in this scene, like right there. He almost smiled. This is like the closest thing that <laughs> Rambo is to happy in this whole movie. And sadly he, he, he's, he's not going to get back here anytime. No, no. It's anytime only. that we see, you know, the thing about this that. I find so interesting is there's something so sincere about about Stallone in this scene and like this whole thing that he you know, like like I don't know if you ever talked about me he's like really nervous he's I've got a picture of us here and he's you know he, he's digging through his pockets he's got all this stuff and it, it's like the the one thing he has held on to for so long yeah. you know it's it's that that's that thing right there about oh I got all this junk in my pocket I've met this guy you know yeah. I have met this guy and, and I, I don't know, like, like there's something like already, like heart's kind of breaking for him, you know. You, you kind of get the sense that you, you already are kind of getting like the idea that this guy's pretty messed up. Yeah. Well, I it, it also it really reminds me of like you, know, you always see like those. I always think of it and say like World War II films where they where it's like the soldier that has the picture of his girl back home that is as probably moved on, you know, something, but, but like he has that yeah. one photo that he's carried, you know, through and it's, it's the only thing that like sort of helps him get through the days is the thought of getting back to her kind of thing. Like yeah. it's, it's a little like that. Like that's the thing he's holding on to. And he's like, you know, I don't understand any of this world I've come back to, but if I can get back with my, my buddies, if I get back with my friends, I'll have, you know, I'll, I'll have something. And then he gives up that one, <laughs> that one thing that that's like him. Yeah. I watch him dump this stuff in the fire here. Yeah. It, it goes fast and it's, it's like right on the fade out, but I think it is pretty. I think it is pretty indicative of his mindset going into me, the rest. It of reminds, the film. reminds me a lot of another uh, classic Stallone film, Over the Top. <laughs> it's like when he throws that into the fire. That's like him flipping the switch. It's like him flipping the switch. It's just he's a, he's a different man now. <laughs> he's a different man. Oh, my God. So, um, movie was shot in British Columbia, a town called Hope, British Columbia. That's in Canada. Uh, and, um, just for those if you, if you listen to, if you listen to the, uh, to the commentary track on the Blu-ray with Stallone, 
you're going to predominantly get anecdotes related to two key pieces of information. <laughs> Number one, he got hurt a lot making this movie. And, and when he and, didn't get hurt, he like pretended getting hurt in hospitals. <laughs> yes, to, like, he did. <laughs> and then the other part is that it was very, very cold yes. in Hope, British Columbia. And that essentially when they left, there was not much of the town left. Pretty much. <laughs> it, that Pretty wasn't much. burned or, or scorched. They, they know, actually someplace. really killed this town yeah. and all these people. Not really. <laughs> not really. Brian Dennehy, um, I, I have no – I have absolutely no grounding for like where Brian Dennehy was as an actor at, the, at this point in the 70s. Like, yeah. Know, Kind of how he was viewed. I mean, like these days, like he's a he's a really well established character actor. I don't know if that was true at the time or not. I but, think this uh, is this is probably one of those roles that started him on that path, though. Don't you think? Like, like I think so. I mean, he's really he, he's really good in this. He's I've always said it. Like the good thing about a good bad guy is that you know you really hate him. Like you really dislike them. You know, yes. not not just like. And, but the thing is, he manages to play. A, he manages to play of, a real guy. Yeah, he's not playing a villain. He plays a guy that you really really don't like. But he, he he's playing a real person, not yeah. you know not not a mustache twirler. Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know th- this scene. They say that uh, uh, a lot of people say that you know like in storytelling, you know like you want to get to the conflict as quickly as possible. Uh, and this movie certainly does that. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're not very far in, and we've already set up. We're, you know, we're, we're we're laying the groundwork right now for the conflict that is going to define the the movie, which is these two guys. Um, Basically, having a pissing contest, <laughs> and uh, you know, one of them, one of them, uh, you know, trying to assert authority over the other, and the other one just not bowing to it. Yeah. Um. Well, and it's this real. It's this uh, such a. You know, both of them. Neither of them are like yelling or even even like angry. It, it's like so subtle. The like. Don't the, fucking the, want you here. The, the Why don't you want it? Yeah, it's yeah. it is very, uh, it's very beneath the surface, but really intense. Yeah, the the thing that's um, the thing that's kind of interesting about this, and it's really interesting to think about this in terms of the context for the time, because, um, you know, obviously, you know, the Vietnam War was very controversial, and a lot of the people who protested the Vietnam War were, you know, vehemently. Mm. Uh, I say they they were they were also viciously uh, attacking American military personnel. You know, waiting for them to come home in the airport, spitting on them, calling them baby killers, that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, and those people are all members of Congress now, and uh, they they they've discovered that you don't get people on your side doing shit like that. So uh, we kind of live in a different world now. But it, it, you have to really do kind of put yourself back in the in the. In the time. I love this here. You have a nice day, huh? The thing that's so fun... I'm going to just pause that anecdote for a second. The thing that's so interesting about that scene is that is how sincere Brian Dennehy is. Like, I think on some level, he really he's really thinking, like, I did the right thing here. I avoided I, a confrontation. Yeah. I helped this guy out. I got him a little further up the road. He's not going to be in town. Like, that was, like, his Andy, like his Andy Taylor, yeah. small-town sheriff, good work... The, for the yeah, day, you know exactly. I, I really sincerely believe that he, he feels like, you know, he, he just he he had a really really he, he feels great like he solution being, to that problem. He, he that he was being much nicer to him than than yeah he we, needed to be or that he had to be, you know, and that which he, is why he reacts the way he does now. He's like, look, yeah. I was giving you a break, you yeah. know, and now of course it goes downhill quite quickly, and and, and you find out, you know, kind of all of that subtle tension gone. Now we just got full on tension. 
Um, but anyway, it. I think that it's interesting, like some of the things that they're talking about, like, you know, like the long hair and, you know, like the, the jacket with the American flag and everything. And this is like 1982. You know, yeah. the world's already a very – or the country's already a very different place. You know, having long hair, not that big a deal. And uh, it's just it, – it's kind of interesting how certain aspects of this film are so time-locked. You know, like it really has to be about that specific time and place because out of that context, it, just it doesn't, doesn't work. work. It's not as believable. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Um, although, interestingly enough, there are other aspects of this film that are very, very relevant uh, today, which which we'll talk about. I remember buying one of those knives. I've got seven of those fucking knives. <laughs> I love like the, the the compass <laughs> on the bottom, the fucking you know yep. match matches inside. Yep, it is a um, that thing. It, it, it's it's really interesting how many facets of this film. Like really defined, uh, defined the eighties. You know, yeah. I mean, this really was the movie that that kicked off eighties action films. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, aspects of this film that kind of wrote the formula, I guess, that you know movies would follow and stuff like that. Yeah. But that knife, <laughs> that was a, like a legitimate cultural phenomenon. Yeah, and it was made like it was made for the movie, right? It's not like yeah, it was it's not made- like a piece of equipment that was sort of. That that was really around. It was like something a guy designed is like a survivalist knife. You know, essentially, yep. right? Am I it, right? It was it was designed. It was designed by a really famous uh, a really famous knife maker, whose name escapes me. Um, Hans von Neifen. That's him. Yes, Hans von Neifenstraw, and uh, he he designed it for the film, and it really caught on in a big way. And like you and me and everybody, we fucking knew as kids. Everybody had a fucking Rambo knife. Although yep. I'm told that. The way that you can tell, like the like like the legitimate ones, as far as like the design goes, yeah. is that the compass wasn't on the bottom. The compass was inside the bottom cap. Ah, so you couldn't like you know hit the butt on something and smash the compass. Oh wow, yeah. Check it out, David Caruso, nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> what, the other thing that's always funny to me about Rambo is the first Rambo I really remember was Rambo Two. Yeah, I think I probably saw two before I saw. Yeah. One. Because 2 came out like in 85 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. and, it, and it was much more like, I mean, there was like, to- like there was toys made yeah. for this This one. is heinous shit right here. Yeah. Literally, literally heinous. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That ain't good. But yeah, there, there, there were literally toys made from Rambo 2. Yeah, yeah, they, they had, you know, and I remember, they were, they were actually there pretty cool. There was a cartoon like, series you know, too. Yeah, and I remember that as a, you know, you know as a kid, and then uh, I don't think I saw this one until probably a, at least... At least a few years after I saw the second one, I think I don't think I like watched it immediately after that because it's it definitely has a different feel. You know that one has much more of a I don't know just kind of, it's it's more of like, like it's ironic like there's only three years between them yeah eighty two to eighty three but like already you watch Rambo two and it feels like an eighties action film it feels it like you know it feels like a film that is firmly. You know, being like an eighties action movie as opposed to this movie, which has kind of got one foot in seventies drama, yeah, and one foot in, in you know, this emerging kind of exactly action, it's stunt driven. It's film. sort of walking the line between the two, whereas it was very clear by the second one, you know, the the direction it was going. Yeah. Um. So, a big part, a big part of this movie, is the. The kind of the escalation factor between you know these two factions, one being John Rambo and the other being the cops, and 
The thing I did always find this a little funny. Like, just remember, like, no, you're not gonna fingerprint me. That's no, right. you're not gonna like, like, this is very true to life. I, I've been fingerprinted. Yeah, and uh, I was not under arrest at the time. It was it was for uh, it was for a security thing I had to get for work, but I had to be fingerprinted. And, but I went to I went to the to the county jail to do it, and the guy's fingerprinting me, and he commented. <laughs> He's just like, all right, you know, like index finger, you know, middle finger, like all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's he's holding my hand and kind of guiding me, but I'm, you know, doing the heavy lifting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he commented, he said, this usually isn't this easy. <laughs> People aren't normally as willing to do this easily. They're normally all that cooperative. I'm like, listen, under other circumstances, I wouldn't be cooperating with you either. You'd be going home with a Brent Adams thumbprint on the inside of your eyeball. Um Clean him up. Yeah, this is this is going to work great. Check out Stallone here. He's in pretty good shape. Now, we see this before they do. But, um, you know, after the flashback where you see we see uh, him getting shit dumped on him when he's down in the uh, down in the pit, and he turns around here. And watch, watch David Caruso's reaction. Um, Stallone's in pretty good shape. Check him out. Oh, yeah. Um... But I, I really, I really like the storytelling here. In that, uh, I also, I, <laughs> well, we have to come back to that. But I really like, you know, how we are, we are slowly kind of getting the idea that this guy's been through some serious shit. Yeah. Um, and and of course, you know, this is ultimately what's going to put him to the breaking point. It, you know, and and the thing that's kind of interesting is how they're drawing a contrast comparison between how he was treated by the Viet Cong as yeah, a POW yeah. and how he's being treated now, and, and that it's close enough that it's you know triggering his post traumatic yeah. stress. Well, and, and and you know it's even worse because I mean, like you say, like he's he was at war. That's right. Those things happen. I mean, not like that makes it okay, but at least it sort of makes it you're you're, you're at least partially expecting it, or right. you know, you at least know that it could. It the only thing he's guilty of at this point is wanting dinner. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and here's here's where it starts to go wrong. Um. It's interesting to me how nothing that we've really seen in the film right now like really makes it feel all that dated to me. I mean, certainly, you know, like you know, some of like the, the shot choices, the camera setups, and things like that. Yeah, we we tend to have a lot more close ups in modern films and stuff. But but not. But really, nothing that just kind of screams thirty two years old. Thirty two years old. You exactly. Know, I mean, the fight scene, however, like right here, where and this, you know, spoiler alert: he's about you. to lose his shit. Um, Don't worry, you won't, buddy. Um, the fight scene here—it's—it's remarkable how—it's remarkable how tame this seems. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we've got better stuff than this on television these days, you know. Yeah. Although you know, it still does. I mean, it's, it does don't get feel me wrong, pretty it's, visceral. It's, it's got ferocity to it. Yeah. yeah. It's just that the way that we shoot fight scenes it, it does and, and feel all a little clumsy it's not nearly as polished and as yeah. you know like it's just it, it's well, just amazing how far that stuff has evolved and didn't he talk a little bit about like when they were shooting this how even at this point you know like karate oh. and like fight you know like that style of fighting was starting to become you know more popular but he's like look that, that's not how this guy would have fought you know yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. it would be 
it would gouging eyes else. out, you know, yeah. punching, you know, choking, it, things like that. It, it would have been the kind of stuff they were teaching Green Berets at the time. And, yeah. And, and there were some people who – there were some former Green Berets <laughs> who consult – that's Switek from Miami Vice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> one to the chest. That's the, that's not a stunt man either. That's him. That's Stallone just kicking the shit out of him. This guy gets his nose broke right yeah. there. Stallone really hits him by accident, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and I mean it, it really is like it, it's you know that's the thing. Watch it, this where he jumps the car here. I love the commentary. He says, "Yeah, I don't think I'd do that <laughs> if I had it to do over. I don't think I'd jump the car. I don't, I'm not sure why." I, did I, I love time. that little sort of that little sort of thing he does the when the bike's thing. coming out. Like he knows, yeah. like <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had like some Green Berets consulting on the movie and, you know, they designed these moves that they felt like, yeah, like this, this would be, this would be reasonable or whatever. But like I said, I mean, you know, you watch something, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of an example of a film that's got a lot of kind of close quarter, well, like Taken with Liam Neeson. Yeah. There's a lot of like really frenetic close quarters combat shit in that. And you know, part of the reason is just that close quarters combat has really evolved over the last thirty years. It's it's taken into, it's it's taken on a lot of. I think that the guy, the stunt driver in that car, broke his back doing that. Oh Jesus! There's two jumps. There's two jumps in this film. There's that one, and then the one in the field. And I saw a, when I was a kid, there was like a special that came on TV. It was hosted by Christopher Reeve. It was just all about Hollywood Jeez. stunt. Stunts and stuntmen, and they talked about like people like Yakima Kamut, the guy that uh, he was a very famous stuntman and stunt coordinator. He he worked on Ben Hur, and he did the original uh, Lone Ranger, where he did that gag. He jumped off of a stagecoach pulled by I don't know six eight horses, whatever. He jumps off the stagecoach onto the horse, onto the yeah, horses, running, you know, gets down on the ground underneath him, and then like down, and yeah. then just like lets go and like lets the entire you know stagecoach roll over him. Yeah, and his apprentice was a guy named. Terry Leonard, uh, who's a very famous stuntman, and if you you know if if you've ever watched movies like Conan the Barbarian or uh, you know if you've watched any movies from the eighties or nineties action films, you've seen Terry Leonard's work. He's a legendary guy. That's the other one. But anyway, in this special, they talked about they talked about Rocky and a little bit about the the motorcycle guy that's that's doing the writing for Stallone in some of these scenes, and they said that the stunt driver. Uh, who was driving this police car broke his back in one of those jumps. Jeez, which they don't mention that. Like Stallone doesn't yeah, mention I that. Yeah, I, I don't remember hearing that. Um, which, which I, I don't know if that was like, I, like I don't know. You know, maybe he didn't know, or if it was just like, like one of those things that I don't know. Maybe this they don't talk about it anymore. So it just was so. <laughs> maybe, I mean, there's you know, a, maybe there's a lawsuit. That well, they, yeah, maybe reasons it was just that they don't so talk, bad. Because I mean, honestly, I'd say getting nose broke is one thing, but fucking getting your fucking back broke is another thing. Uh, the one thing I think, you know, speaking to the the fight scenes and even just like these these scenes, you know. Like Stallone says in the commentary a couple of times, like he's like, I, you know, I don't think I'd do this again, or or I would, I would probably let you know the stunt. I'd guy let the stunt guy one. do and, this. And the the thing is, back you know back at this time, they were a little less, you know, there there was a little less of this like you know we can't let the star do that that thing. Like now it's almost like somebody like a Tom Cruise has to fight yeah. to get to do his stunts. They're like, no, 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 no. The, you know, yeah. we, we're we can't risk we're you. not going to take the chance. You know, it's yeah. not even about him. Wanting to or not wanting to, whereas back then it was kind of like, you know, hey, we fucking hired you, we need this scene, Dude, you know. Yeah, and this was a relatively low budget film, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that bit with the car where the car flips upside down, 
supposedly that was that was not planned. Like the stunt driver lost control of the car, went down the cliff, it rolled over, and they were like, "Okay, that's where the chase ends," you know. And, <laughs> and they just they just uh, you know stuck Brian Dennehy in the upside down car and and you know made that part of it. But uh, apparently the chase was intended to go on a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, it, we, I think it works perfectly. Like, I, I do too. I mean, it's, it should be brutally honest with you at that point. The, the, the you know, sometimes those, those chase scenes can kind of go on and on and on, and that was a good point, I think, to, to really sort of... Well, I mean, and the territory that they're getting into, you know, there's not... Yeah, what were they <laughs> going to do? There's not, there's not a lot else you can do in a, in a car at this point. Supposedly, you know, and that's the thing about, you know, kind of, you know, what people call guerrilla filmmaking, which is just, you know, filmmaking where, like, you know, you're not... You're kind of out in places that you don't have 100% control over... The way that you often do, particularly on big budget Hollywood films. Yeah. Um, and you know, like Stallone was saying that, like this is basically all kind of improvised. Like, like this is just a mining location, at, you know, up in the fucking mountains. None of this stuff is props. They, this is they just didn't, real shit. They didn't write like there. he goes to the fake mining town where we'll put yeah. the truck. And They're just like, like oh, like, like here's a cool location. We'll go shoot there. Yeah. This canvas thing here, this is real. This is just laying on the ground. He grabs this. He starts cutting into it. They make a poncho out of it, and like this was the most this was the most protected prop in the film because it was the only fucking one they had, you know. And they only had the scrap of material, the poncho they made out of it, and they had to have it for continuity through the entire yeah. movie. He, so, he, he was saying how literally it was like it was more protected than him. It was more protected than like in anything yeah. going on in the film. And I think he said he still has it to this day, right? Like, yeah, he, 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 he says he's got it hanging up, like I guess in his in his trophy room. Along I don't with, think he wears it much. Along anymore. with Brigitte Nielsen's finger, I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when she left him, he's like, "Listen, I'll let you go, but you're leaving a finger." If you, I am taking a finger. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I was going to say an ear, and that seemed creepy. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that that was that would have been just weird. I'm glad you didn't go there. <laughs> Speaking of taking ears, though, did you happen to see that? That, uh, like, apparently, like, Mike Tyson and, uh, fucking, what's his name? The guy he bit his fucking ear. Like, they apparently Holy did, like, a co- commercial together recently That's or something. Nice and, I, and, I'm, and I'm really, like, Tyson's like, really? I'm sorry about your ear. I'm sorry I bit your ear off. Look at this shit here. This is Stallone doing this. And, I mean, this does not look like an easy climb to me. This is pretty vertical here. And also just not very safe. I mean, you're you're walking on, you know... Moss and stuff like that that could ease. I mean, he could easily fucking slip, slip and, and break his And he's up there. He's up there a ways. So, here we go. This is, I, I think in my mind, this scene that we're coming into here, this is what really captured my imagination as a kid. Um, but this this whole idea of, like, you know, these trained cops with, you know, automatic weapons, which I don't know how common that was at the time. I mean, you know, like, we, we talk about, you know, today, you know, people the are concerned about the militarization of, of police and stuff like that, and... You know, whether or not police really need tanks and, you know, things like that. And I, I don't know if it's realistic to the period that, you know, cops had like fully automatic M16s. But um, this this whole sequence – and actually, I, I guess this is not it here because we got the stuff at the cliff first. Yeah, yeah. But the scene that's going to follow with with the Rambo trap. basically mm-hmm. waging a one-man war on this uh, on this group of guys. Yeah. Like, as a kid, like, when I saw that, like, it just blew my mind. I mean, it, it absolutely it, – it captured my imagination so much and that, that whole notion of, like, guerrilla warfare and stuff. And 
you know, uh, that's that's also like like a big part of I think like the Batman mythos that's like always appealed to me. The idea of like you know one guy with the right training and and uh, and you know the right tools and all that can uh, can basically fight a war by himself. Yeah, but uh, that was. Uh, I don't know. Like when I was a kid, that was just I was just like, oh my god, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. No, I agree. Uh, it it is that sort of thing. Like it 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 actually does make you believe that this one guy, because he's pushed to such a, a an extent, and because he's got so much. I mean, you don't really maybe know at the time, but the training he's got can take on these sort of. Frankly, they, they feel like they're in the power position. They're like, you know, hey, yeah. there's a bunch of us. We're fucking cops. We've, We've got, got machine guns. guns. He's got a knife. There, there's nothing. You know, this is going to be. Like hunting rabbits or whatever, yep. you know, and, and it definitely doesn't. Uh... And I suppose that you could make the argument that, in a sense, this is kind of a thematically. This is you know, th- this could even be a comment on the Vietnam War itself. You know, where you have a technologically superior force going after you know what seems to be a relatively primitive army and a you know yeah. primitive way of fighting, and uh, turns out that. Uh, just having the technological upper hand ain't always enough. Yeah, as uh, as the U.S. Army found out during the Vietnam War. Although, as this film says, and as his as history shows, um, you know, President Johnson setting things as he did basically made it impossible for the U.S. to win that war. You know, irrespective of you know whether you, you know your moral position on the war. Which yeah, just I don't really the have, actuality of whether it was even. I'm not really um, commenting on that, but, yeah. but uh, I, I think everybody kind of agrees that um, there, there was there was no way that uh, there was no way the U.S. Army was going to win that war because of what they were uh, what they were saddled with in terms of rules of engagement and so forth. Um, but there's still no excuse for <laughs> there's still no excuse for executing women. Just to be clear, um, what, this, if you're, what if you're at a like a what if it's Brigitte you know, Nielsen? What if you're at a casino and you're in the elevator? Is, yeah. Does that make it okay? Well, I mean, it depends. Are you, are you a major athlete? <laughs> yes, I run a, I run the 40 in a, you know, 2-3 or whatever. Yep, that, that's fine then. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, this bit right here, there's something significant about this. Again, going back to that special I mentioned that I saw on TV and I had on videotape for years and years. Notice that he took his seatbelt off. That's going to be significant here in a minute. Um. But uh, th- there's something about this stunt here, this jump that he does, uh, and it's actually it's actually three. It, it, there's three cuts, and I think it's three separate stuntmen too. But or at, at the very least, it's like a stuntman and then Stallone in the third one. If you don't fly this thing right, I swear to God, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> in in some ways, this guy is really the bad dude of the film. I mean, he, he's he's a lot worse than Brian Dennehy. Well, and, and he's the one that escalates it to the point of what it is, really. That's, like, that's, he's the one that really pushes true, yeah. him past to the brink. You know, yeah. at, at the police station, he's the one that essentially he's the one to murder that, them, you know. And, and this is like the second, you know, there's like several points in the film where you're like, okay, if only X would happen here, we could, you know, we could cool off and this could resolve itself. Yeah. This is the moment right here where it basically kind of goes, goes point to, of no return. Yeah. Um,. So here we go. This jump here off the cliff, this is a stuntman, of course. But there's something very significant about this jump, I believe. Something about the kind of airbag that they used. That was it was it was like like the first time they'd used like a, a like this more modern kind of rapid deflate airbag or something like that. I think that this film was the first time it was used. That that was a stuntman in the shot before this. Stallone really did this, really broke his rib. Um 
which he reminds you of constantly in the in the commentary because <laughs> he's like, okay, this doesn't look that bad, but Remember. broken rib. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean is, is valid. No, I mean, yeah, real, I mean, realistically, I'm not, like I, I, I'm not dogging him for it. I'm just I'm just saying that you know Stallone will remind you he fucked himself up on this movie, <laughs> but good. All right, that, that fucking helicopter would be CG nowadays. Like they, they would never even try to get a helicopter down in that. Valley no, well, that, or, that's you know. the the irony. They'd use a real helicopter, but the tree in Stallone would be CG. <laughs> Good boy. It depends on it depends on whether George Lucas is directing or not. <laughs> well, if George Lucas is directing, it's all CG. It's all and there's CG. No human beings involved in all. No, 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 no. Except like, there's some moss in the back. That's there real. is some moss. That's in, it. Yeah. That's actually a pretty complex like like that shot like it looks very simple but they're timing the shots from the rifle with the squibs on the tree like all in like that one shot and sort of it's, moving back uh-huh, and forth you know move, it's it's actually pretty sophisticated when you when you break it down okay now we've got a problem now we've got a problem the problem is you took your seatbelt off and you're a dead man who wins in a fight rambo or a helicopter <laughs> And Does again, Rambo have a rock? Rambo wins. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of Cap and uh, Winter Soldier. That's like, exactly don't, right. Don't, don't don't bring a puny little air warship to you know to to try to take me down. Listen, don't don't bring a Quinjet to a Captain America fist fight. That's all I'm saying. Um, there's a great moment here where Stallone sees this guy. There's not a flashback. There's there's a bit of stuff going on with the music. Yeah. This atonal thing. It actually reminds me a little bit of that thing they do in The Dark Knight with the Joker where they've got those two notes that yeah. that, that, that form that really bizarre kind of atonal, uh, atonal note. And it's a little bit like that, but there's just a little bit of a sound effect there where Rambo's looking at this guy. And there's something going on behind his eyes. Like, you, you, know, you know that you know, he, he's seeing something that we're not. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of taking him back and... I got to give Stallone credit. He's really good in this. I mean, I've always felt Stallone was a pretty a pretty good actor, as opposed he, to like somebody like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I think is I think Schwarzenegger is very charismatic, and that carries over into his films. But with few exceptions, Predator being one of them, I, I don't find Arnold Schwarzenegger doing a lot of acting yeah. so much. But I've always felt Stallone was was a, a pretty decent actor, and yeah. I think he's pretty damn good in this. This bit here. I watch this even now, and like I struggle to remind myself that that's not real. Yeah. Look at the look at the blood pumping out of this thing. I've seen I've seen a guy. I saw a guy get a really really good gash on his leg one time, and it looked so much like, like that, that. I can't tell you. I mean, it looked just like that. This is the story he's telling about where he uh, he took this the like the the the, the makeup the effect. makeup and everything in, and he went into like a local hospital just because he wanted to see how real. It really was like how what doctors and, and nurses like how they think. react to it, and, and they're like, "Holy shit, what is that?" And, he's, and they're like, "Did you did you sew that up yourself?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Just yeah, to, yeah. Do you have some like, just like some aspirin or well, something? Except baby. he's like, "Do I have some aspirin?" As, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and they're like, "Well, well, yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, just just give that to me." He takes. He's like, "Okay, I, I'll be fine." You know, and, and supposedly the idea is that 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 makes him just like this ultimate man in, in the eyes of these people because they're just like, right. oh my God. And he goes all, back a couple of times, he doesn't he? He does, yeah. Now, I never quite got that right there. Like, I didn't it, either, yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't understand if, if, if we are to believe that he was just grazed, grazed or if it was like a ricochet. But, um, you know, you hear a shot, he grabs his forehead and, you know, again, then, like there's a moment there, there's a moment there where he's really trying to de-escalate the situation. He's like, look, a guy's dead. Yeah. You know, like this needs to calm down. 
And I like the, the composition of that shot. Uh, it it is. Really you know how we were talking about like in Yojimbo, like really using the widescreen frame. Yeah. You know they're there's doing a couple, it. There's a couple times they really do take it take advantage of that. Now watch Brian Dennehy in this scene. I think this is some of the best stuff he does in this movie. Watch this moment right here, as as this guy's describing who John Rambo is. And, and and this and is sinking in for Everybody there is Kaiser like, war hero. Uh, and Caruso's really good here, too. And he's kind of... Uh, it, it's this weird, not like... Watch the, right here. Watch this moment right here. Where he, he's got a second to think about it. <laughs> and then he's like, nope, fuck it. Going ahead. But well, I, I, I love like that moment. I love now. that I think, moment. I really think at that point he's like... Fuck it, he's not better than me. That's exactly you know, right. And, and yeah. look at Caruso here. This is really good shit. That's great. That's just great. It really reminds <laughs> me a little bit of a uh, fucking uh, oh, Hudson. great man. Game yeah. over, man. It is a little, game over. It is a little bit of Hudson. <laughs> it's a little bit of Hudson. But I do like Caruso. I really like Caruso's character. He's the one guy in this who's like trying to like get the guys to calm down in the police station. Yeah, you know he's he's like the guy who's trying to kind of do it by the book. And now now they're out there, and he's like, look at the shit you got us into. Yeah, you know I. I I really, I really kind of like his character and, and what he does, but yeah, you're totally right about Dennehy. Dennehy, Dennehy's like character is just like this guy ain't better than me. And it's, it's not like I mean they almost they almost play it at that point like you, like you fucking killed one of my men and now it's not even really that. I, I mean that's that's part of it, but yeah. it really is just like you know I fucking fought in Korea. You know the, you yeah. know I, I you're you're from this you're from you're from a war that isn't even real or wasn't even you know right. in and. and it's like that. It's it really makes it a personal thing between him, even though, you know, even though ostensibly getting, it's a law enforcement endeavor. Yeah, yeah. It really is about these two guys, and you and know, I do, but I do agree with you. Um, uh, as far as a Caruso, I mean, like he really, I, he he is that one character I think the audience can maybe the most identify with in the whole film. Like I agree. He's, he really is the person that's like, look, you know, let's just calm down, like you know. Let's let's quit pushing him. We'll we'll lock him up. But don't you know? Let's think about this for a second. Yeah, everybody just wants to. I I don't know. Like you know, everybody else just wants to be alpha dog or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They want first blood. Um, but yeah, I I really like Crusoe in that scene. Like I said, like that one moment with Dennehy. I I I love that. Like where he's kind of like he's thought processing. Like you can see the wheels turning in his head. Yeah, it's a great bit of acting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I will say like Dennehy's not one of those guys that I just. Love like it doesn't. It's not just a character that anytime I see, I'm just all about. But in this, yeah. he's he's very good. So this is the scene that I was talking about earlier. That like when I was a kid, I, like I I can't even I can't even begin to tell you like like what a, what a big impression this made on me. I I was just I remember like when we had this on video, just like watching this over and over and over, and just like yeah. studying it, and, like trying to like trying to see if I could kind of like make out. You know the shape of Rambo, where he's like, you know, he's like in the dirt or whatever, and he just comes out and grabs the guy. Yeah, I, everything about it was just so amazing. That always remind me a little bit of in, in Predator too. Like yeah, sort of, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like an homage in a way, I think too. Yeah. But you know, it's also interesting how much of this we kind of get from like video games now. Yeah, you know? like the, the stealth genre. Um, you know, there a lot of the a lot of the things that you see in this in this scene. This is like shit you do. And you know, like Metal Gear games or uh, you know Splinter Cell games or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that you mentioned that I think is really important is, and it's not something that I I don't know that they say it in the film. I know that it's a I think it's a big big part of the book, but um, 
is uh, is the fact that Brian Dennehy is a war veteran himself, but of the Korean War. Yeah. Which is kind of the forgotten war. And, you know, that you know, that there it's, there wasn't sort of there wasn't a big in, protest. There wasn't you know, there wasn't well, like a big deal made about it. And there's this kind of quality where I think he kind of resents the fact that you know, he, like in his mind, you know, he and Rambo are similar in the sense that yeah, like we both went and fought this war. Except I came home, I got a job, I got a haircut, yeah, you know, and I just you know, and I became a good citizen. And you came back, and you know, you're oh, you haired, yeah, you just... went and fought at war, and oh, it messed you up. Oh, poor you, Blah, yeah. you know, get over it, get over yourself. But you know what's so so funny about that, or not funny, but interesting about that is the fact that I think it's it's almost like in a roundabout way, even though. The Korean War isn't seen nearly as sort of it, people people didn't treat Korean War vets nearly as no. negatively as Vietnam vets, but somehow that almost makes the Vietnam War like it, it still got more attention. Exactly. It's like in a way, like even though he didn't get the heartache that you know somebody come back from Vietnam may have, that almost made it worse. It's like you know I fucking fought for this country too. You know nobody's even yeah no, nobody's even bothered to protest our war. You know I mean to I mean to a certain degree. Well, that's the, very, I, I think you're, I think you're right. It's just like he feels he feels like you know slighted or something or uh, you know whatever. Almost almost that exactly almost like slighted almost slighted that you know that uh, his service his his war whatever. You know, fail to you know to to get any attention whatsoever. Uh, it, it's just it's a really interesting dynamic that once you know it, it informs so much of his character yeah. and the conflict of the film. But the film itself doesn't really say it. Like you have to kind of get it from the book, yeah, yeah, or or you know from you know from people talking about it in interviews or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it's really interesting to to kind of look at the film through that prism. I guess another thing that would kind of be worth talking about, uh, since the uh, since the shit is about to hit the fan here, <laughs> we're we're about to we're about to en- engage in the first little bit of direct action uh, between Rambo and the cops. Everything up until now has been kind of reactionary, but uh, from from this point forward, it's got a slightly different tenor. But uh, there's there's no uh, there's no deaths in this film outside of uh, outside of I guess Art, the, the, the guy, guy who, who died in the helicopter yeah. crash. Watch and this the, here. Watch this here. And the puppy. Dog like I, I, I always watch this and I'm like, okay, is that his foot? Is that this? And like I, I'm always like trying to like spot it, and like I can never quite see him under there until right there. Yeah. I guess that was his arm. Yeah. It's it, it's ironic that Caruso is the first one that gets hobbled. <laughs> Um, here comes Switek. I'm sure he's gonna yeah. <laughs> Switek to the rescue. <laughs> but uh, anyway, nobody nobody dies in this film. Rambo doesn't kill anybody. You know, the, the one guy you know arguably kills himself yeah. by unbuckling his uh, his seatbelt and then falling out of the helicopter. But Rambo doesn't kill anybody, which is probably the biggest departure. Uh, from the film to the book, because in the book Rambo kills a lot of people. I mean, like, I don't know what the body count is. It's over a hundred. I mean, it's a lot of guys. I think they probably did that too to to make him a little bit more um, sympathetic. Sympathetic, exactly. You know, in right. the film, because it just I yeah. think in a book, you know, it's just for whatever reason you can you can get away with things in a book that just don't come off. They come off so much more difficult to to watch in a movie. I think. Yep. It's there's an interesting thing kind of going on in the scene. Uh, all of these guys. Uh oh. All right. So again, somebody gets shot. Not Rambo's fault. Switek's a little trigger happy. 
which is why they get him. Hmm. Which is why they get him working in Miami Dade narcotics <laughs> later on. Like you're the kind of guy we need. Oh my god, that's heinous. Yeah. Even watching this now, that is so heinous. That spike trap. I know how to build one of those, and I'm not. I'm not shitting you. I know how to build one of those. Um, I mean, not to ever go in your backyard. Yeah. Or anything. The thing that's interesting about this scene is all these guys crying out to Will for help. You know, yeah. help me, Will. There is such an interesting it, kind of really aspect of him. the only one that never gets sort of di- until like the very end. Yeah. You know, he, he like in this whole scene, he's, he doesn't get directly uh, affected, you know. Until Rambo holds a knife to his throat. Other than that. But 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 he doesn't get attacked. But yeah, and he, and he beyond doesn't really that. get hurt, you know, like right. I mean, essentially to, to a degree. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, the, the whole point of this is Rambo is disabling these guys. He's not, he's not actually killing them, although yeah. he very well could if he wanted yeah. to, as he says. Um, I'll, I'll pause. I'll pause that that story for just a second here. <laughs> That's bad. That's not good, right there. But this is this is like predator shit. And then yeah. And then th- this is this is another one of those kind of turning point moments in the film. And I believe Stone here. I believe Stallone here. I mean, he, look he at the needs knife. This shit. It's, it looks like that hurt. Like that yeah. looks. <laughs> Don't push it. Don't push it or I'll give you a war you won't believe. That was like the most badass thing ever back in the day. That was that was the shit. I would not at all be surprised to discover that is actual Brian Dennehy blood right there. Yeah. It would not surprise me in the least. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, he's scared to shit. He is. I, I, I mean, he, really he is, is terrified. Um. He play, that's the thing, man. Brian Denny, he plays this so – he just plays it so straight. So naturally. He just so, plays yeah. a man. He just yeah. plays a man dealing with this situation. It's such a rare thing to find. You know, you know, like like you know, we were talking about uh, fucking Iron Man 3 a few weeks ago and Guy Pierce, who we both like as an actor. But his character is so over the so top over in that film. I mean, he breathes fire, you know. And I understand it's a different kind of movie, but um, – that's one of the things yeah, I like about you, this so much. Is go it, hate on Iron Man three again? I, yeah, or, any chance I get. But uh, <laughs> that's that's one of the things I, I like so much about this film and this style of filmmaking is that Brian Dennehy's just legitimately playing a guy, you know, who, who's who's reacting to this situation in a way that makes sense to him. But uh, you know, from the outside looking in, we're all like, dude, you are fucking this up. Yeah, you 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 are making this uh, difficult with every single step. That's now, right. Now here we go with. Uh, not that, quite yet. Oh, that's all. Oh, that's right. We we got We got to get through a little bit of the scene before before the money the money comes the in. The money shot. Um, but to, to just finish the the point I was making, I think it's really interesting how all the uh, the deputies out in the forest are all you know calling out for Will for help. You know, Will Will help me. And it almost establishes Dennehy's character as this kind of father figure. And there's an interesting kind of thing going on between Dennehy and Rambo that. It, that is almost like, almost like a father son thing, almost like a generational conflict. I can see that. You know, I can see that. And, and there's there's an interesting kind of component of that. That's that's I think kind of an undercurrent in the film. I actually I think that's very that's a good pickup. I, I hadn't thought of that, but I could definitely see it. I love this. Bit. Only their skilled training and police enforcement techniques mm-hmm. allowed them to live. It's like what allowed them to live is Rambo didn't end their lives. That guy's nose is really broken. Yeah. Just remind yourself of that every time you see him. Am I getting paid yet? <laughs> no, you're not. That guy delivers that that envelope, and he's like, "Cut the check!" And everybody's <laughs> like, "You're about forty years too early, buddy." 
Uh, or I say 40, 30, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 30, two, anyway. 30, two. <laughs> Close enough. Jesus Christ. Now, this whole thing here, I find this, like, really interesting. You know, they're talking about the police brutality aspect of this, you know. And Dennehy says, you know, this is the way it's got to be. If, if, if one of my guys messes up, the prisoner comes to me, tells me about it, I look into it. If it's the way he says, I kick, you know, I kick the deputy's ass, you know, but the law handles it. Yeah. You know, we go, we go through this process. Here we go. God didn't make him. I made him. <laughs> Colonel Sam Troutman. Man, Richard Crane tore this fucking movie up. He's got some of the best dialogue of all fucking time in this movie. He's got this, this starting so, with that first line. Yeah. He's got this just such matter of fact about everything that he says. It's just it's just like I don't know. It, it just it, it oozes confidence and and um, just knowing more about the situation than anybody in the room. Now he's he's cool. I mean, he's just he's a fucking cool character. I didn't come here to rescue Rambo from you. I came here to rescue you from him. And that that whole gag, I mean, that is like they hit that note a lot in this movie. You know, Caruso's got a line about, you know, we ain't hunting him; he's hunting us. And, and, There's you know, a lot of that kind of talk in this movie because Stallone actually has very little dialogue in this film. Yeah. You've heard you've heard probably fifty percent of the lines that he's going to speak in this film already. He does not have a lot of lines. So, in order to really kind of play up that character and what he's capable of, you got to have other people talking about him. Yeah. And every chance they get, the people in this movie talk about it, kind of like you know the way you do with like a bad guy or something. You know, you, you have like all your good guys in the film talking about how bad the bad guy is, yeah, playing yeah. him up. Similar fashion, you know, a similar kind of technique here. To kill, period. Now, interesting story. This part was originally going to be played by Kirk Douglas. And oh my God, Kirk Douglas never, would have been badass. Well, but but total badass. But he wanted to. He he essentially rewrote the whole script. One he night. did. Like well, he, he wanted to change it back closer to the book. He wanted he wanted uh, he wanted the movie to end with Rambo dying. Well, I thought he wanted to end the movie with like him sort of taking over the role of Rambo, almost like like as Troutman's character. Almost because, isn't that what Rambo? Or what, what Rambo? Isn't that what fucking Sloan said <laughs> in the difference. commentary? Same difference. Um, I thought maybe maybe I misunderstood well, what you're saying, but it, no, 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 no. I, that's exactly right. Well, basically, what he says is like at the end of the film, Troutman has to kind of like I, I, the impression I got. And I, I mean, admittedly, I haven't read fucking Kirk Douglas's Rambo script, but the impression that I got awesome. was that at the end of the movie, like well, once the fight kind of goes back to town, in Kirk Douglas's mind, like what needed to happen is Troutman needed to start waging a war against Rambo. Yeah. Okay. He needed to like hunt Rambo down and take him out of commission. Oh, okay. 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 Um. But the main point that that Douglas was making is that he felt he, he felt Rambo needed to die, um, because that would be better storytelling, you know, thematically. Yeah. And Stallone, I think, kind of agrees with him, but at the same time, Stallone felt really strongly, and this is, I think, one of the reasons they changed the script where people don't people don't die, or you know, Rambo doesn't kill people, is that Stallone wanted Rambo to a be a sympathetic character. Yeah. Which which. He would have trouble being if he killed hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that he really felt strongly about giving veterans a message of hope. He did not want the message of the film to be you people yeah. who came back from Vietnam and who have trouble and you know who aren't having an easy time you, getting the back only into piece society. You're have is when you're dead. That's you know? right. Like, he didn't want the message to be the solution to that is for you to get killed. Yeah. 
No, um, which I, and I think that was actually like you know he, there was he talked a lot about just how like in this time period you know we're we're about to enter the most sort of. You know, I guess like what what would you call it? Like conservative military might, you yeah, know, sure. kind of time uh, yeah. in our I mean, country. This is, and, this is the Reagan era we're coming into and, here. And that was but the thing was the, the Rambo was seen as sort of like a symbol of that, like a symbol of right. the, the 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 greatness of the uh, American fighting soldier. When in fact he when was kind fact, of a protest. Re- exactly. Really it's like he he's kind of like Rambo would not have been that guy. Like no. the, like Rambo the character would have been Rambo's like this. You know, Rambo doesn't work, or this isn't. You know, this this is like this is the consequences. You yeah, know, of, uh, that that people don't realize. And you know, this film is. I think that I think that you know the book specifically is is what's got credit for this because, you know, th- this book was written and the film was made in a time before anybody knew. You know, the words post traumatic stress disorder. Can, just real quick, just one real quick pause. I think yes. maybe the star of this movie is this jacket. This That's, coat. That, you, you're so right. That coat is so this, like. It, this is a scene about a jacket. This is a scene about a fucking furry. It's about a jacket versus a beret. That is what this scene's about. <laughs> Big woolly coat versus beret. Um, but you know th- this this story and everything took place in a time before anybody knew what post traumatic stress disorder fucking was. And you know, of course, we understand it much better now, and we know that it's a real thing, and we know that you know people. We know that you know that that people who do this like high stress work, like soldiers, uh, it, it takes work to decompress. It takes work to you know come back to uh, to civilian life and adjust you know away from that high stakes situation that is uh, a theater of combat. Yeah, and it's really it's really interesting how kind of prescient I think the film was in that regard, and, and you know kind of trying to address this is like you know we. We we ask you know these young men, I say ask you know in the Vietnam we had the draft there was no asking there was you know go do thus and such yeah you know we we have these young men go off and do this we bring them back we train them to you know to we train them to, you know be these killing machines to do all this we bring them back and we don't have any way of kind of changing them back we don't have any way of kind of you know giving them back uh, you know a normal life or whatever and I, I think the film is very prescient. You know, in that in that message, and it's something that we're very very aware of now in the modern era, but at the time, I, th- I think people were still really finding, people were still really figuring it out. I guess so. It's quite poignant in that sense. Um, I've never quite gotten like if he's punking him there. Like, is that like did? Because like the way that he does it right at the end, like I'm like, is he stealing Brian Dennehy's coffee? Because you know the way he kind of the way he it almost looks like he's kind of sneaking it like yeah, right it really at the does. end of that shot. Yeah, because yeah, Dennehy's tur- got his back turned. He kind of sips like, yeah, it. He I'm, puts it down real fast. He's like, oh, I was playing with my nose. I can sneak this in real quick. Got himself killed in on. Didn't even know it. Um. But um, how, how long is this supposed to have been that he was out at this point? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember from say. the book, and I, I can't. Uh, which I read like one time in high school, so <laughs> I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be of much use on that. But um, I, I can't remember how long it's supposed to have been. I, I, I've gotten the impression. My impression: he's been home a few years. Yeah. They got me down in D.C. shining a sea with my ass. That seems like such a cliche line now, but you know this is like 
Like, the reason it's cliche is because this movie, like, invented does, it. It does you know? lines like that for the first time. But it does. It seems like such a cliche thing. It does. <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing that, you know, would be in, like, you know, fucking Tropic Thunder or something like that. <laughs> but because Tropic Thunder yeah, is, like, right. literally a reflection of things like this. It's funny. Troutman kind of gets, he gets a little aggressive here at the end, you know. He, yeah. You know, bailing you out of trouble is going to be a lifetime job for me, and... I think he sort of he sort of sees that he's maybe I don't want to say feeling sorry for himself, but that he's becoming he's he's just losing touch with everything, and yeah. he's like, look, I gotta I gotta I gotta, I gotta get him back, back in shape. Yeah. yeah, I gotta I gotta make him think he's you know in the military again, basically. Yeah, this is this is it right here though. They drew first blood. It's just it's interesting. I, I think that I think that it, you know for Rambo the character, I think that scene in the river. Where he holds up his hands. Where he holds up his hands, he tries to surrender, and he says, look, you know, I don't want anybody else to die. Like, you know, I didn't kill this guy, but I don't want anybody else to, to die. Like, you know, he, he really he really is kind of trying to give him the olive branch. And, of course, they open fire on him. And I think that that's really kind of the turning point. I think that that's the point where he's just like, fuck it, I don't care. And, I mean, at this point, I, I don't think that – I don't think he really particularly cares if he lives or dies. He, he doesn't at this point. <laughs> you know, I think that at this point he's just kind of determined to. Um, I think he's. I think he's just focused basically on survival and just uh, giving him one hell of a fight. It, well, and, and, and really, I think it's just like he's going to put his skills to use. This is just. I don't know anything else, so I'm going to fight. You yeah. know, like I. I know fighting, so I'll do it. it. It's almost. I don't even. I think it's even less survival as much as it is just. I'm going to do what I know how to do, and that is survive and fight. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's not like to survive because he cares about survive, surviving. Really, it's yeah. just that that's what he knows to do, or can that that he. Can't I, do. I think you're right, but there does feel there there is this real kind of there is this real kind of apathy to it, where it just I mean oh, yeah. he's not really fighting for anything. He's not fighting. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the thing when, when I, you know he's going to fight to survive, but I don't think he even really. Knows what that what that'll mean afterwards. Like why yeah. you know why, why am I even going to that step? Isn't "Fight to Survive" the name of the uh, the song that plays during the uh, the fight montage in Bloodsport? I wanna fight, fight to survive. survive. Yeah, I think and it it's is. got coom Fight to survive. Okay, like in the book, I remember, like he kills these like he runs into hunters in the book. He kills them. Um. So you know, stark contrast here. You know what I do love though, like this scene right here with the way he's got the bandana tied on, like where where it's draping down, kind of on the side of his head. Yeah, that totally reminds me of something like in a in a current film, like where the where the office workers fight against somebody, they tie like the tie on the <laughs> yeah, side exactly. of their head, like it, yeah. just, it it totally has that feel to it. I was gonna say, I mean, you know, like fucking got you know, people in fucking pot bands in Hades were doing yeah, that shit. Geez, you know, I mean, yeah. like Rambo fashion sense. Yeah, Hades was a weird decade. It, it was, really was. It's fucked. Uh-huh. I mean, kind of, kind of like I do sort of look back on it fondly, but it, it was just weird. Like there were some 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 yeah. choices. Well, if you were a kid in the eighties, it was fine because you had like great cartoons, great toys. Yeah, yeah. If you were like a teenager in the eighties, you were listening to some of the shittiest music ever made. <laughs> um, I was listening to the fucking John Carter commentary, and Andrew Stanton. They're talking about that. They're talking about like where they're filming that uh, that scene, like in the in the river in the canyons. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, like, oh, yeah, like, this one place, like, we had to get to, like, it was, like, an 80-minute speedboat ride. <laughs> and, uh, like, one day, like, the, you know, the guy operating the speedboat's, like, taking us back, and 
It's like, so we're riding along in this speedboat, like, you know, like 80 miles an hour. Like, I don't know how fast it is, you know. They're like in this go fast boat or whatever. And they're like, do you have any 80s music in this thing? He's like, do I? And like, you know, cranks up the Yon Hammer. So, like, you know, they're, they're on their way out to location. Cranking the Miami Vice soundtrack. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, man. The infamy of that show. It will live forever. Now, this is like, this is one of those, th- uh, there's things about the movie that I think hold up so well yeah. uh, to this day. Like, we were talking about kind of like the fight scenes, the stunt stuff. You're like, yeah, this seems dated. Like, yeah. the car chases and stuff. Again, sure. probably see more exciting car chases on television these days. Sure. You know? Um, this scene right here is one of the glaring things that really doesn't work. Yeah. And it's interesting to, like, watch Stallone, or, like, listen to Sloan talk about this he, in the commentary. Yeah, he feels He's just like, way. I have no idea what's going on. Like, these guys were making a different fucking movie. Like, they were making, like, like these guys were making a fucking John Belushi film. It really, and it does, it, it, <laughs> yeah. like, it's one of those things, sometimes you just, you, you just take it, it's, it's part of the movie, and it's always been a part of the movie, so yeah. you just sort of accept it. But if you really think about it, it does feel... Ah, I just feel like the dialogue it's is weird. weird. Like what? Like what is really going on? The, the kind of the bizarro comedy aspect. Yeah. Of, like, like, and then of course there's the fact that you know this pissed off a lot of national guardsmen who are like, we are not fuck ups. Yeah. And uh, and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, it's it's not. Of course, I think you know in a lot of ways <laughs> this movie was just a, a, an establishment. Eye poke, you know, like if you were a cop, if you were a if you were national military, guard, if you were yeah. even even military to a certain degree, I think it, they kind of. It, it was sort of no not, one. Not no one survived either. the fickle finger of fate. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, Stallone's Stallone's like I wish, I wish we could uh, take this out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and for good reason because it is it's pretty. Uh, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty kitschy. It almost feels to me a little bit like they sort of somebody was just like you know what it's we. We need a little bit of a. It's the movie is so serious right, that maybe like, like we it almost need needs like a, a little bit of a breather. And you know, what? I'm not even, too much. I don't even think that there's not something breather. to that. But you, you, there's still a right way you can do it. You know, there's yeah. there's situationally com- comic stuff that can be done that doesn't just come off as well, jokey. Yes, that that the way that does. Like 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 the like the news report, like, like the laughter in the news report about only their police yeah, enforcement yeah, yeah. training. You know. There's things like that that you know that, that, that kind are, of work, they work in an, with the story in an ironic still, way yeah. as opposed to kind of a, an absurd way. Yeah, but um, dude, this this coat is just ripping up. Scenes. <laughs> I'm just telling you, the scene the scene is Morgan Freeman up in this bitch. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that scene is a little it's a little bizarro. Yeah, and uh, and like I said, I, you know, the thing is, the thing that's kind of interesting is again, you go back and look at this. You go back and look at this movie as the kind of the first in what is going to become a genre of film that echoes to this day, you know, the 80s action film. And part Michael, of the... Michael Bay still doesn't do this. That's what, I, that's what I was going to say. Like, you think about, like, Michael Bay films. And I'm being absolutely sincere when I'm saying this. I, I am not, like, this is not like an underhanded uh, kick in the balls. But you look at Michael Bay films... And one of his one of his kind of staples is like using humor in kind of odd places, you know. Um, and in the middle, sometimes in of, the middle of, of like big action, sometimes yeah. in the middle of tension, you know. That's that's like like a staple of his films, and a lot of eighties a lot of eighties films did that too. And I, I think you know it's, it's pretty obvious that's kind of the mold from which he was uh, he was made um, by trolls. But the point is that. Um, 
you you look at this film, you see that kind of scene with the National Guard, you watch the movies that follow it, and you see other films kind of pick up. It's like, oh, yeah, we should do that. We should have some kind of zany humor in yeah. our action film. Yeah. And what's ironic is the fact that people kind of picked up on and and just took that idea, ran with it, used it themselves. It took on a life of its own. It's something we're still doing to this day you know, in movies. Yeah. And that's like the scene that Stallone says, like, could, you know, if, if we could go back, yeah. we'd take that shit out. It is. It's, it's so interesting, the fact that, you know, that they look back, you know, the people who made this film look back on it and say, that was a, that was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done that. And But that's like one of the pieces of this film yeah. that, you know, that, that has given... That, that's given birth to you know all kinds of imitation. And, it is, and it's and it's kind so of interesting because I'm not necessarily so sure that I one love side is right or wrong. You know, killed for vagrancy in Jerkwater, USA. <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you in your coat. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you. No, 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 no. You're okay. You're lucky he didn't kill all of you. <laughs> that might be my favorite Troutman line in the movie because yeah. a lot of them are played for like the badass factor. They are, yeah. But that, that was one, such a just it's it's it, a throwaway. You almost, you almost miss it. That's know? the thing. It's so sincere. You're you're goddamn lucky he didn't kill all of you. I mean, it's just it, that one is delicious. I really really like that one because for me, it's got the most impact. That one really hits. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now. Finish no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> the um, ah shoot, I, I did. I can't remember where I was. I'm at. sorry. No, 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 no. I'm it's okay. Sorry. It really is. I, I do. I, you're, you're totally right, though. Like Troutman has that. It's just he is he is the smartest man in the room. Like he really he he knows better what's going on. And if if they would just listen to him, you know, this would. Uh, like you know, like he says, like you just you know, hey, let him go. We'll pick him up a couple weeks later. Yep. You know, it, it, it won't be a big deal. An incident. You know, and just, I, and just let the situation de-escalate. Yeah. And he's absolutely no. right. Yeah. And, Although, I, it, and that's admittedly, the thing, like, that's the practical solution. Like, that is the practical solution to this problem. But, like, from the law enforcement perspective, it's like, no, there's no that's way not that how this works. Yeah. We win is how this works. Yeah. And actually, I think that's a great, uh, yeah, I like this bit here where Troutman's like, he's, he, he, he's suspecting that Rambo ain't quite as expired as everybody thinks yeah. he is. Anyway, um, while uh, while the rat scene is going on, uh-huh. uh, which I'm not a fan of, I don't particularly like rodents. Um, Almost reminds me of a little Indiana Jones. Well, that's exactly what it reminds me. Of. Like you watch like Last Crusade, and obviously there's rats in that, you know, so it's easy to draw a comparison. But yeah, th- th- there's a lot of this that kind of th- th- that makes me think of uh, of that scene in Last Crusade. It's it, that which is also pretty heinous. Broken rib. Broken rib. Just remember, broken rib. Um, anyway, let's talk a little bit about what I've, I've I've kind of teased a couple of times, but I think it's a very, very interesting aspect of this movie is the part of this film for me that really resonates and holds true now is the, the role of the police and the idea of police militarization, the idea of escalation, this whole notion – of the role of the police, Jesus God. I'm sorry. I just, what the fuck is that on his that, That's his box of Sex Panther. Oh. <laughs> sorry. 60% of the time, it, it works, works every, every time. time. Brian, that makes no sense. But anyway, the role of police, the role of police in society. And that's the thing. I watch this movie now. And I'm like, wow, this feels like right out of the headlines kind of shit, you know? 
because uh, I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, obviously, we're, we're, we'll be dating uh, the commentary doing this, but you know, there's this you know big controversy about uh, you know this this uh, police shooting in Ferguson, and um, you know, it, like you and I were talking on the phone like last night, we were you know we were kind of talking about how it seems like every week you know there's like some new cell phone video or something that come comes out of um, of what what people perceive to be police overstepping their authority, violating civil liberties, arresting people for looking at them funny, uh, you know, and like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, when I had this on video, the, the, the image quality wasn't good enough to see that, like in that one shot where he was crawling through and the rats were already on his back. Yeah. And so when he like turned around and you saw them, it was like, Oh Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, it probably wasn't until I saw this on Blu-ray that I was like, Oh, you can see the rats there. But like Ugh. on my old copy, you couldn't. And, yeah. Oh, it, it it's gives almost, me, like, it's almost creepier. It's bad. Yeah. It gives me the heebie jeebies watching it now. The the point you were making too, you know, we, we we sort of talked in reference to you know the the, the police and you know the the only the only one thing that that always sort of got to well, like we talked How a does he about not the TSA burn himself right here. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. He Jeez. But we we talked a little bit like the TSA. You know, yeah, like it, yeah. it's basically like these these entities that are. Basically, they just – they don't feel like they have to answer to anybody and so they just do whatever, whatever they, want. they want to do and, you know, kind of we, – we, I was sort of mentioning – But, but it, supposedly chartered with keeping us it's safe. For the, it's for the, the greater good. So it's so no matter what we do, it's it's yeah. okay. And I don't know, man. It really – this is one of those times where it feels like, you know, these characters have overstepped their bounds and I think I think just about anybody can point to a time when they were – Treated a little unfairly, you know, in, in, a, in a situation dealing with uh, someone in, in a, you know, position of power, I guess, you know. Because you, you are not helpless, but you are a little bit like, okay, do I just shut up and fucking take it, you know, just because I don't want it to hassle? Or, you know, do I stand up for my rights? Like, what yeah. I, you know, what, what I should have to, should or shouldn't have to deal with? Um, I, I want to just, I want to keep talking about that, but I do want to pause for a second here. And just again, kind of talk about how great Brian Denny he is in, in this movie. And this, this scene, you know, where he comes in and apologizes. You know, basically, like I, you know, I apologize if you know I was a dick to you all afternoon while trying to kill your friend. Yeah, um, it's a very real moment. Yeah, you know, like this is a guy who's got a fucking conscience. He's a real, he's a real person. You know, and this is like you know when you and I talk about movies like Iron Man three, which you know I'm not I'm not here to kick in the balls anymore. <laughs> we, we we've had that conversation. But the reason that you know, I think the reason that like films like Iron Man three ring so hollow for us is because of movies like this, where you know, where we got we got you know action and we got that you know adventure and stuff. But there was real drama there that like I didn't appreciate this stuff when I was a kid. It yeah. was only as I got older and kind of like really appreciated the depth the, of the writing and the, the, and the performance and, the and everything. It's like you know, the people who put this together really gave a shit about it. It wasn't yeah. just fluff. I mean, because honestly, like there were plenty of movies that did things certain similar to this, and it's and, and the characters just like you know, it's it, it's just played for cheese. It's just play, played for you know over the top, like you know. I ain't going to take that from a military soldier, you know, yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. as opposed to, like, you know, look, I, you know, like handling it like a real emotional, you know, like a real person would. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but to go back to what we were talking about, the the issue of police overreach, the issue of of uh, of police and the kind of us versus them. This reminds me so much of Tomb Raider. I'm sorry. I just Right. Relationship. I feel like he's going to burn a, a, something to, like, to the next section <laughs> of right. the. Anyway, I'm sorry. And then, and then he'll unlock an achievement. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, that that whole notion of, of like the relationship between police and civilians and, and how that all works, I find that so uh, I find that so pertinent to uh, you know to, to the to the world that we're living in right now. It, you know, it's one of those things that I think about a lot, and I, I can't help but think not that I'm advocating this, but I can't help but feel like if you did like a modern Rambo film. I don't know, like if you did a remake, I don't know the themes about, you know, abusing soldiers and things like that coming back. I don't know if that hits as hard as it does now because I think that we as a society have kind of, we've looked at Vietnam and said, you know what, that's not the way, that's not, that's not the way that we need to do this. Uh, You know, we need to protest the government that, you know, that sets the mission, that sends these people there. That's what we need to protest. We don't need to protest the people, you know, who just signed up to do a job and and don't have a choice in making those decisions. Yeah. Um, But... The idea of the idea of, of of a person feeling like I didn't do anything wrong and now I'm at war with the police, that I think is a really compelling, interesting idea. Uh, yeah, and I've, yeah, in, in my own mind, it, it and I don't know, maybe this sounds paranoid, but in my own mind, the idea of just like making one kind of like little slip up in a situation, you know, saying something that you probably shouldn't, you know, just that that whole escalation thing, that whole just kind of like you know, this needle goes up and then this needle goes up and then this needle goes up and then pretty soon you're, you know, you're, you're killing guys with bungee sticks in the woods. Um, <laughs> that does not seem it doesn't seem that far fetched to me. You yeah. know, it, it it really doesn't seem like it'd be all that difficult for shit to really fly off the handle quick. Again, look at Ferguson. You know, look at how the protests and, and things down there went. I mean, that was a real kind of powder keg situation, and. Yeah. Um, and it really was one of those things where, you know, on on sort of, you know, both sides, things were escalated, you know, like, yeah. like continually. I mean, I, in, in this movie, you know, you, you sort of feel like, you know, you, you definitely feel more on Rambo's side. Yeah, in I this. think you but, feel more sympathy for him. But, but there is some times where, like, you know, where, where he fought back when they were trying to, you know, shave him as opposed to just... Realizing yeah. what's going on, of course. I mean, he's having flashbacks. It's it's a, a little there's you know, mitigating harder, but, circumstances. But I mean, it is one of those things where you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I think a remake of that today could be done right. I mean, you know, as long as they don't, I don't know, get like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> or something. I just I don't know. I, 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 it'd be interesting to have it done today because I think it really could. Um, I don't know. I think it really would uh, hit a note with a lot of people. The, 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 I, I think so. I think I think if you took that theme, you, you took that theme of you know kind of police militarization and uh, and overreach and all that. I think that it would be a really really interesting story to tell in a modern setting from that perspective. But um, th- that's one of the things about the film that that continues to resonate with me is just that that, that whole that whole kind of feeling of um, of you know there's that feeling of like. A criminal is whoever the police decides is a criminal, um, and you know you're right in the system. The film does it kind of manipulates us to to kind of be sympathetic, be on Rambo's side. But you know, as Troutman's character points out, uh, you know, you did everything you could to to make this war happen. You yeah. know, you you could have you could have stopped this at any time, and you chose not to. And I guess that's the thing about what I, I think that's the thing about it that um, that that has like a, a kind of tragic dimension to it is that there are moments in the film we've talked about, you know, where you can point to, it's like if Brian Dennehy in this moment made a different choice, then 
the conflict would end. If yeah. Rambo right here made a different choice, the conflict would end. But so it's like everybody kind of uses bad judgment at the right time and things just continue to go worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And there's a quality of that. There's kind of like an anticipatory tension to that that I really, really like. Um, and, and and you can kind of feel it unraveling and things. You know, there, there's movies that do this. Carlito's Way is a great example of a movie that kind of does that where you know, it has this very tragic kind of ending. Um I don't know if we're to believe that those three guys survived or not. Oh yeah. So maybe maybe Rambo's got I'm totally a slightly... expecting an A team style cut to the shot of them like <laughs> oh, oh geez. Smoke on their faces. Boss, and... they he got us. The one the one guy's like, Oh, I broke my glasses. <laughs> He's like pulling off his his hunting glasses. <laughs> but um <laughs> that's uh that's a that's a whole other discussion. Is like uh, the role of uh, the whole, the role of Rambo on the A team. Well, you know, the, which the, is basically what that. I mean, yeah. basically that series was was Rambo the TV show. It really was. That's what I was actually because I, I, you know, I, I, we've been talking. I was telling you how just for whatever reason I, I like it really not even sitting watching them, just kind of been playing them in the background. I've been going through the the A team series yeah. here lately, and you know, I mean, it's it's pretty awful. But I mean, it, at the same time, it's, it's still there's great. something there's some. There's some charisma to the characters. There's still some humor. There's yeah, still there's, some there's things about things it that is that are still fun. And uh, there Does, are so it, many things that, you know that you see in this film that you really are like the you see the lighthearted, watered down version of Rambo. That's exactly you, right. You know, is, That's exactly is, is, is right. The A-team. No one, no one ever dies. I mean, no even, even though, like we said in this, theoretically, no one really dies. Although I think we could argue there's those been a those three guys in the car. They probably might be, they might be good dead. chance they're dead. They might be dead. But uh, for, for all of the expl- – that, that, that's the thing. For all the explosions and destruction, the body count is, is very Relatively low. Relatively low, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway. Yeah, the uh, – This is you know, kind of impressive too because I mean you think about it. Like this is not CG. This is not – I mean th- – No, this is just they, blowing shit this up. Is bl- this is old school blowing shit up. That's what this is. It is really interesting to – it's interesting to <laughs> to think about the um, to just think about you know the evolution of action films and all that kind of stuff and how you know just how how advanced it is like you know we were talking about the A Team you know like we're both big fans of the of the A Team film the Joe Carnahan movie yeah and um, you know like you know you watch that I mean you know there's there's tons of like visual effects stuff in it and all that kind of thing. But you know, like like the the level of action that I guess audiences really kind of demand. Uh, you know, actually, Iron Man three is a great example here. I mean, you know, most of the people who say they like Iron Man three say they like it for the action. They say, you know, the action set pieces were much bigger, is much more exciting. Uh, you know, people people talk about there being snappy. You know, like like the dialogue was really snappy. You know, that's kind of a taste thing, I guess. Yeah. But um, certainly, you know, people talk about liking that film. For how big the action stuff is, and it is, it is really, really interesting to kind of just look at the evolution of of action and like kind of what constitutes action in an action film. And um, man, it's, it's just it's just amazing. I mean, like that's stuff that's really evolved. I mean, like if you look at this film and you go back and look at like like go back twenty years, go back and look at films like in like nineteen sixty two. Not that much difference, you know. I, yeah. I mean, you've got sta- you've got things like Sam Peckinpah. You've got like the Wild Bunch and yeah. the Getaway. But I mean, Peckinpah was decades ahead of his time. I mean, you know, he he was an outlier 
in, in Hollywood. Pe- Peck and Paul was just doing shit that nobody else was doing. And um, but if you go, like if you look at like the twenty years preceding this movie, and you think about like the action stuff, think about things like Bullet. Really, it doesn't feel like anybody was. It didn't feel like anybody had some great competitive desire to like one up some other movies. Like, oh man, look, you know, they blew up a gas station. We got to blow up an oil rig, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. And yet, in the eighties, that's exactly what you seem to get. Like in the eighties, there's this like competition thing to like one up each other's like bigger explosions, bigger car chases, bigger fucking guns, yeah. nakeder women. Uh, well, like you know. Uh, w- one movie would have a car chase scene. The next movie, that, you know, somebody had to do one that much better. It had to That's be longer. Right. It involved more cars. Car chase, yeah, car chase scene with a semi. Yeah, but know? there's there's always like the jokes of like you know how many cars were wrecked on like well, even like the Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers, you know, has the, the or well, and, and I guess had the record. Maybe I it, it, it did for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and and this it did like that movie or that moment that was, was a parody. Like a parody of it. It was exactly. a parody of like all those car chase, you know. Films from, you know, things yeah. like Bullet and Gone in 60 Seconds and Vanishing yeah. Point. You know, it was a parody of, like, that kind of genre of film or whatever. But it definitely was that sort of, like, it, it, you could almost even think of it sort of as, like, a feeling out period. Like, people maybe didn't know, it, it, were looking at it instead of, like, being more creative with something. They were just, like, more, 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 more yeah. of it. Bigger, badder, you know. Bigger is bigger. Bigger, better, better. Faster is faster. Oh, good. Good reference. But anyway, it's it's really fascinating to kind of, and I, I'm not like I'm not saying that like Rambo is the film, but it, it definitely I feel like Rambo is is among a few films that are kind of a turning point, sort of a milestone in the in the yes. You know, and the after world. this point, there is a real focus on the like like people are like really really conscious as filmmakers of the audience and like trying to like blow the audience's expectations out of the water. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, you saw Rambo. You thought that was big action. Come see Rambo too. You yeah. know, we've got fucking helicopters with guns, and you know, we've got exploding arrows and bridges blowing up. You know, it, it, it's really interesting the way that the way that after after this film and and I think others in, in this period were made, you have this incredible evolution that's still going on now. You know, like Joe Carnahan, sure. like in the fucking eighteen commentary, he talks about. Like, you know, like, oh, like, I did this, I did this thing in NARC, I did, like, you know, this big, like, single camera, sh- you know, single camera shot, this whole thing. I wanted to, I wanted to amp that up. Like, I wanted to outdo that. I wanted yeah. to, you know, do something bigger. Uh, you know, Val Kilmer in Heat, like, he's got this mag change during the street, you know, and, like, Bradley Cooper blows it out of the water. You know, he gets, like, in four seconds, you know. Uh, you know, empties the mag, new one in, resumes fire, like, in four seconds, you know, completely blows it out of the water. Yeah. It's fascinating to kind of think about how... That kind of competitive spirit has def- has come to define this genre, you know. And and while I find Michael Bay to be a, a really, um, I, I, I find him to be a very shallow filmmaker. Um, I, I can give him I can give him credit for the fact that he has great great skill in in putting together very imaginative and very very complex. Uh, action pieces. He's he's very good at that. Yeah. It's, it's just the only thing that he's good at. Yeah. Um, but um, and, and I and I do sort of, <laughs> I sort of feel like too that that you know, some of his better days are behind him. I, I just I feel like some of his earlier. Well, yeah, films we talked about really things bad. like Bad Boys. Yeah, and, uh, I love Bad like the the Bad Boys one and two, and um, I, you know I love like Armageddon, Armageddon and yeah. and um, I feel like there's another that is The Rock. Yeah, with well, The Rock wasn't was The Rock him? 
Yeah, that yeah. was, that was okay. him. Yeah. I think I'm not it, a big fan of The Rock. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, know, it's, 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 I don't yeah. you know, hate it, but... I, I don't... Like, I saw it on TV not too long ago. I think I've got it, too. Like, I think I've fucking... I, oh, I yeah, think I've, I've got it on sure DVD, it actually. <laughs> but uh, I saw it on TV not too long ago, and I was just kind of like, yeah... Probably has a little bit to do with my not loving of... Uh, Nicholas Cage, either. You know, know I used know. to really like Nicholas Cage. I mean, I like Nicholas Cage like back in the days when Nicholas Cage was like a fucking actor, and like you watch him now, and you're just like, this is a man who's broke and needs money. Yeah, it, it, like his career has taken such an incredible kind of shift in tone from where he used to be. I mean, he he used to be like so picky and choosy about roles. Well, I mean, and, he, he really. There, I mean, really, I think he's he got argue. a fucking Oscar. Yeah. I think you could argue at the time of like something like you know, Con Air and and you know The Rock and things like that. That, that was just, where, where it kind of started to turn a little bit. Well, that that was I think like kind of his, his like his peak of popularity. You yeah, know, yeah way, well, like he was making the most money. Right, he had, he had come out of like a lot of artistic films. He was known as a very serious actor, and then he kind of started like he did Face Off, he did The yeah. Rock, he did Con Air. He was like, you know, I'll do some action movies. They pay pretty good. Yeah. And now he's just like in this like I don't I don't think he turns down a role. Ever. I, I don't. Think he's turned he into like Christopher Walken. Yeah. And I don't mean Christopher not, Walken now. I mean Christopher Walken <laughs> back in the days when he was making like the prophecy and shit, which and is still a decent movie. I maintain. <laughs> you hairless monkeys. Do you know why you have this ridge right here? Because I. Shh. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, back to Rambo. The, but the point the point of the, I don't know that that whole little essay or whatever is just that I think that Rambo is such an important movie in American cinema, and there are aspects of it I watch now and I'm just kind of like yeah it's a little cheesy. Well, like like Stallone says like when he when Rambo like jumps in the uh, jumps in the in the truck and takes over the truck and and the uh, he tells the guy uh, he's like don't look at me look at the road that's how accidents happen. that's how accidents happen I mean that's, <laughs> yeah it's a very self aware kind of it's like hey we're winking at the audience having some fun someone's like ah, I take that line out if I could you know yeah. and that's a, there's moments like that in this film there there are moments that are kitschy in this movie that you know you can you can kind of groan about and I guess if you just want to if if you just want to you know be really merciless about it you can look at this and say oh man this thing's it's so retro and cheesy like there's nothing about it to uh, to like. And I, you know, if you're young enough, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, you know, we have a certain nostalgia for it that, you know, if you're just if you're too young to have that nostalgia, I totally get that. But yeah. anyway, the point is that having grown up with this film and having watched it over the years and stuff, I do think it's an important movie. I think it's a really, really important film in action movies, and it, it is a real turning point in American cinema. It heralds the beginning of of a decade that was going to be defined by big. Big shooty shooty blow up films, yeah, and um, and, and there's so many things in and, modern and one, cinema. One man versus an army, but I mean, like we, yep. we had those the one man two, army, the one man the one army. Man army yeah. That was like the '80s thing, and yeah. this is the movie that fucking did it. Yeah, in the same way we were talking about Yojimbo, and you said like there's all these things in cinema that you can point to and say, oh well, you know, this is kind of cliche, this is kind of cliche, and it's like Yojimbo invented that shit, yeah. you know. And in a lot of in a lot of similar fashion. Rambo is just like that. Rambo yeah. is like that kind of movie you can point to and say it did it first and then everybody that followed owes something to this film. Yeah. That would have been good if we'd have waited to say that for the very end. That would have been a good way to wrap, a good up. Way to wrap it up. we got ten more minutes. Pretend we didn't say that. Yeah. Because we might want to use that. Well, we got to talk about that Jerry Goldsmith music too. We'll have that okay. to complain about. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, Brian De- right here, Brian Dennehy shatters his ribs right here. Ooh. And like that sound he makes, I believe it. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds bad. 
It sounds not good. But, you know, we haven't really been talking about the action and stuff like that. Ironically, this is like, I mean, this is the biggest stuff in the film. I mean, it's basically like what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, with him versus the guys in the, uh, you know, in the forest. Mm -hmm. That whole sequence, it's basically that with, like, you know, with the volume turned to 11. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, all right, you know, you you saw what I could, uh, you you saw what I could do with some sticks and a knife. Now I've got explosives in, a, in an M60, and the shit is officially hitting the fan. But um, this is, I mean, this is my favorite. We're coming up on easily my favorite scene in the film. And in that same way we were talking about with, like, movies that kind of imitated this, but, like, almost didn't quite understand why they were imitating what they were imitating, mm-hmm. we get down to the end of this film, and... Um, it's not, it's not a huge, you know, shootout between, I mean, it is, but I mean, that's not the climax, you know? Yeah. The climax of this film is not a big explosion. It's not, you know, somebody, you know, jumping, you know, towards camera while a bomb goes off behind them. It's not a shootout. It's, it's a broken human being breaking down and really finally kind of admitting to himself and us, the audience just how damaged he is. And it's like incredibly poignant. I mean, Stallone is so good in this scene. Well, you know, and he, you think of like this movie as like a little microcosm of this character's life since he's back from the war. Like, right. He speaks 90% of his entire dialogue from the movie in this one scene. Yeah. And it's basically all the stuff that he has pent up all of this time trying to deal with it. And he's like, you know, this isn't my war. I didn't ask to fight that war. You asked me to fight that war. Fuck, you know, like yeah, I just, didn't come to you just letting it all out, you know? Yeah. This, this right here really hits home for me. I could fly a gunship, drive a tank. I was in charge of million dollar p- equipment back here. I can't even hold a job parking cars. I'm like, what's that got to do to a person? You know, yeah, a person who had, you know, pride in what they were doing and everything. And, Respect. And, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and, authority, and authority, a job, yeah. you know, just like like could, could could was was good at what he did and could get things done, it, and they can't do, you know, a, a just the most basic of jobs. The guy is, is, is you know the feel. Stallone, uh, as you, as you probably know, Stallone uh, rewrote the script. Uh, there were two screenwriters that, that had, had adapted the book. That was the version they were kind of working off of. And then I think Stallone did a final rewrite of their script, and that's what, what they ended up shooting. But this speech he's doing here, this, uh, this, these are all true stories uh, that he gathered while interviewing uh, vets and, um, and you know, just adapted you know, things that they told him. But like all of the anecdotes that he's relating here, this is all 100% true. Just you know, composited from, from different, different yeah. people. And um, there's he's, he's just his delivery. You, I mean, you really have to look at this and think he's a, a very good. He's actor. good, I mean, dude. He, he's good in this. Fucking blew his body all over the place, and there's pieces of him all over me. I love that. I love yeah, that. Like I love that. Like down, when he, like, he rips yeah. the he rips that thing. You know, as if as if you know, it's, it's kind of coming of back him. to him. Like you know, get this shit off. And he rips. That's such a. I have to imagine that was just like an in the moment thing, but yeah. oh man, it, it it it's so good. I can't find your fucking legs. 
And, you know, Troutman is really standing in for the audience here and kind of like bearing witness to this. And it's interesting that it's his character, too, because, you know, he bears responsibility for this. Yeah. And I think that what's poignant about that is, in a, as I said, Troutman is standing in for the audience here. And in a sense, uh, that's very appropriate because, you know, we, uh, you know, being the, the citizens of this country, bear responsibility, you know, for the, like the, you know, the, the people that we put in office who decide – you know what the men and women of the armed forces do, and um, it, there there is there's an interesting kind of thing going on there about you know what responsibility do we bear as far as you know, what situations do we put these people in, and uh, and what consequences you know kind of arise from that. Yeah, you think about all the stuff going on with the. Very the VA and whatnot, you know, and and how oh, even even that's infuriating. Even us who who think that you know that, that feel like we have such a great deal of um, respect for you know those who come back, are we really doing our jobs yeah. and, and putting the people in power that are doing all this you know this crap? I mean, it's it's it's, it's for and I mean, hey, I'm I you know I'm as guilty of of, of, of doing it sometimes as, as anybody else, but just it, it, it does make you think. I mean, just not like not not paying attention, not not, not knowing enough, not right, not, not right. you know studying enough who who you're you know voting for sometimes and, and knowing yeah um and and you know and let's be honest sometimes they just blatantly fucking lie and you know so you can't always fucking <laughs> yes that that does happen you, too you, you know <laughs> but it's it is one of those things where you need to hold people's feet to the fire and, right and um it's hmm. the the. The the end scene of this film is is so dramatically powerful. I mean, I'm so glad we can't hear this song. <laughs> I, I was, right when you said that, though, I didn't mean to laugh, but you're it's right. But I, I hate to say it. It does the music. Sort, on, on. The, the music sort of belittles the the scene. It's terrible. It it's really so is bad. bad. Oh my god. Oh man. But anyway, that 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 last scene. I mean, like you know, the climax of the film really. Is Rambo reaching out and just embracing this guy and just yeah. you know crying, crying his eyes out, and it's it's so it's so stunning the difference in tone between this film and all of the movies that it kind of influenced that would follow, where you would have the, you know the one man army with you know with one liners for days, blowing shit up, smoking a cigar, wearing you know cool sunglasses, not giving a fuck, gets to the end of the film, not phased by it at all, like you know cracks open a bottle of Jack Daniels, you know lights a lights a fresh cigar and says time to go get laid. I mean yeah, like, that's kind of like how eighties exactly. films feel, and this movie has so much gravitas, so much weight because it says there are consequences to doing these things, like like you know the human spirit suffers from you, you know from these these terrible terrible things that uh, that that happen in war and um it's so i, it's, I think it's, it's like like this movie is like so I, I i feel like sometimes it gets lumped in with all of those kinds of mindless uh schlock action movies and it is so far removed from them yeah i think it it, it really is one of those signs too that unfortunately from you know, movies are sort of kind of it's you know it's all it's really just a, a popularity contest. You know, right. are, are you you know how many tickets do you sell, or whatever? And even though this film, I think, did it was very successful. Very, very successful. It was very successful. I don't. It's it's like they're sort of like well, the the I, I could just about guarantee you the one thing they got is people were like, yeah, it's just it's a little it's a little bit of a downer. Yeah, you know? and and like <laughs> that's but I'm, I guarantee you that's what all these other movies whether they're, they're like you know yeah you you know kick the bad guy off the top of the you know fifty foot 
you know, 50 story building and then you light up a cigarette and say, you know, have a nice trip. Say, have, have a, yeah, yeah. Have a good landing or whatever. And then, and then it cuts cause they, they wanted like a clean, you know, people can kind of laugh and then stand up and leave the theater and, and not be, and I, and that's, I think you miss something. You really lose something when you do try to actually hold it to the sort of seriousness and the, the, you know, the weight that, that it could have, yeah. um, for, I think essentially just trying to make it a little more public, uh, more easy to, uh, digest, digest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that, that's the thing that I long for. I mean, you know, like that's the, that's the reason that, you know, that Iron Man three doesn't quite measure up and stuff is that I long for movies that, that, you know, give me, you know, really exciting action and all that kind of stuff, but also aren't, aren't, they're, they're not a one trick pony. That's exactly, just that's exactly right. Thing, they're not yeah. selling me short. On giving me yeah. really compelling drama and uh, and and in c- compelling characters, etc. Yeah. They're, they're kind of you know I want I want a movie that, that's kind of giving me all that, and um, it's um, it's not that uh, it's it's not that there aren't movies that do it. I, I think that, you know it's always been I think it's always you know been uh, it's always been far easier to make you know this kind of. It's easier, balls, it's easier to turn them movies. out. And, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it's easy to make mediocre, you know, kinds of, kinds of and, stuff. And, you know, again, I hate to say it. It's, it's one of those things like for, for, from the business of making movies might, it probably works better on average. It's probably right. a little, it's probably a little more consistent. Probably a safer whereas, bet. whereas, you know, you have films like this that I think do, you know, it's maybe a little harder to, to get the attention every time. This one being sort of a, a Exception to the rule, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a great movie, man. Good film. It hope, is. Uh, hope if you hadn't already had seen it and you're watching this time, I hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it because I know both of us really do. Yeah, it's it's a favorite of mine. It was like I said, yeah, like when we were kids, I saw part two first. Yeah. And I went back and saw part one. Like as a kid, I remember, like I remember saying, like, oh, I like part two better. You yeah, know, part absolutely. Two's more exciting, more explosions and all that. Well, because we did, we we didn't, we really couldn't yet get the gravity of things going yeah. on or at least fully understand some of the yeah. stuff going on well frankly we would look at the things that maybe were better in the second one like the action sequences you could right. probably argue though those are done maybe better they, sure. they look you know more spectacular and then the parts where this really outshines it is in the character development and, and the you know the drama. dialogue the drama and just all that sort of stuff and uh, you know it's just you don't appreciate that till much later in life usually. yeah that's that's certainly been my experience as well but uh yeah, you know when we were when we were talking about the films that we you know we were we kind of laid out like five movies like okay these are the things we're yeah gonna a do. couple just different and times. we you you were like I really want to do a Stallone film yeah and uh, I was like okay I'd be down for that and you know we we threw out like a couple things like okay we could do this we could do this we could do this yeah and I, I can't remember which of us which of us said First Blood but when I we, think you had you had you had suggested it and I think I was like I, that one feels right that, that's a good one because yeah. that's a it, it's. I, I just it's such a I don't know there's just a lot to talk about and it. it's a good movie and I don't think that it gets quite as much attention as a lot of other you know uh, films that are sort of of that ilk you know because it is just a little bit older it's not as flashy um, and yeah. I, frankly I'll, I'll be honest I'd say there's probably quite a few people out there just haven't seen it you it, know it's very possible. that are younger maybe that haven't come across yeah it. very possible but. It, when we just when we when we settled on we were like yeah let's do first blood I was yeah. so stoked I was like man that's gonna be fucking that's gonna be fucking great it's gonna be fun to talk yeah. about hopefully yeah, it it's been fun to listen to because it was definitely uh, fun to sit down and do a commentary for I don't know what our next I know our next episode will be a commentary episode yeah I don't know what it's gonna be for uh, so 
we won't give you a tease on that, but uh, I'm just gonna give you two words. All right, a movie. Ooh, it will be um, a movie. Enticing. That was very yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like to build it up. Yeah. You ever thought about writing trailers? In a movie, yeah. shit happens. This is true. This has been the Drive Home Breakdown, and we hope that you enjoyed our commentary for First Blood. It's a really interesting movie to go back and watch and, and to think about its place in the history of American cinema and how it has inspired so many things that followed. Uh, it was a really, really fun commentary to do, a really fun film to go back and watch. We hope that you enjoyed yourselves along the way as well. We don't have immediate plans for a theatrical episode of the Drive Home Breakdown, but we've got lots of DVDs and lots more movies to talk about, so look out for another commentary episode that'll be coming your way soon until then remember pro driving tip number 14 the next time you pick up a hitchhiking former green beret who wants a meal let him have the meal see you next time